0: Ready? Are you ready? Is all of this shopping done? Is the food been part like you're ready to go? All right. How many of you wish 2022 just came and then No, we want to celebrate Christmas here. This is good. Hey, I've got a couple of housekeeping items for us as church family that I just want you to be aware of. Um, We're approaching the new year and so in the Right away in the new year, we need your help with some stuff. First of all, we want to read the Bible together as a church. We think that a church that reads the Bible together is going to do a lot of great things together. Amen? So you could pull out your phones right now, actually, and you'll want to scan this piece because last week when I put it up there, it was actually really quick, and some people pulled out, and they couldn't do it. Then we watched people go to the TVs in the foyer, and, and when they missed it, they had to wait like 20 to 30 more slides for it to come back around. So I'm going to leave this up here for a moment, but this is going to send you a direct, immediate link so that you can get get signed up and join us in the journey. And it's great. This Bible reading plan is going to be a fun one this year, and it's set up a little bit differently than before. Uh, the first thing that you'll notice is that we're going to read the Bible together for six days, and then on the seventh day you got an option. You're either going to catch up perhaps from things you may have missed in the week, or you'll use it as a day to meditate on the things that you've read through the week. And so its structure is just slightly different. doesn't mean that you don't have to read the Bible on the seventh day, but you'll be adding some extra pieces to it as well. We're really going to be walking our way through the New Testament together, and then on the sixth day of every single week, we're going to look at something out of the Old Testament that makes sense of all of the New Testament stuff that you read through the week. So we're going to kind of marry the two books of the Bible together, Old and New Testament. It's going to be great. So you've got your pictures. We want you to be able to do that. The second thing is that we are moving to 21 days of prayer and fasting in the new year. This is our invitation to you to join with us. And all I'm asking you is to ask God, God, what do you want me to do in participation of this? What fasting is, is that it removes things from my life to put its attention onto God. And what are the things that God is wanting to do in and through you? And in fact, this is his invitation to all people. Anybody can fast and pray. And as a church, we believe that when we do this, God is going to do some incredible things in 2022. So will you take an opportunity to do that with us? I received a card in the mail, and um, I wanted to read it to you because it's addressed to you, and this is what it says. It says, thank you for your prayers and support during this challenging time. Please convey my gratitude to your entire congregation for the love and the support they are sending our way, signed John. What a cool little card to get, like just this idea of John saying, hey, I had some needs and your church stepped up and John wants to communicate to you as a family, um, thank you. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for praying when John asked for this. Because the really important piece of of this story in in so many ways, and uh, and a lot of us won't be able to see this, but you'll notice the card in which I, I got this note from. It's got an emblem on the front representing somebody who is in authority in British Columbia, i.e. the premier of British Columbia. This note is from Premier Horgan himself. And the reason I'm sharing this with us today as a church family is somebody in John's neighborhood who comes to this church saw a need and said, We need to do something. And so they approached me, and we did some things, and we sent a care package over to the Horgan family because of what they were walking through as a family. And I wanted to use this as, a, as an illustration, again, for the seeds on soil, the SOS that we have been calling our church to. Someone saw a need. Someone decided to throw some seeds. And our very own premier decided to say thank you to Colwood Church today. I think that's pretty cool <laughs> as to what can happen when people pray. Now... Premier Horgan is, um, is a titled individual in our province, but today, um, for the sake of this conversation, he's John. John had a need, and John is like anybody, any other human being in this world. John had a need, and this church stepped in. it Church, thank you. I appreciate how you are faithful in your support and your love for people. Let's keep throwing seeds, amen, into the seed. Let's give ourselves a hand. Good job, folks. Thank you. Great. I'm doing what you're doing. All right, let's jump in. I've spent enough time here, and I'm not counting that time against my preaching time, so here we go. Uh, so we're going to jump in. My, I, last week, I said, arguably, the greatest Christmas song given to us is the song, O Holy Night. I love O Holy Night, but tied at first place for me with O Holy Night is this song called Angels We Have Heard on High. I love this song. In fact, I had no idea that we were singing this this morning. You all sang my favorite Christmas song as you came into this place. Now you're probably wondering, why is it your favorite song? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Let me answer that. Okay. So this idea, when I was a little kid, I would go to these church services, and I had no clue what was going on. But all of the sudden, people would begin to sing this song, "Angels We Have Heard on High," and I was stunned as a child as to what the people were singing, how dare they sing this kind of a song? And I, as a kid, and you're probably thinking, what is your problem, Sean? Let me tell you my problem, because all of these people were singing about my mom, Gloria. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, I'm thinking at that stage, my mom is a superstar. Like, she is a really big deal, which she is. Love you, Mom. But, like, she, like I couldn't wrap my head around this thing. And, you know, through the years, I wrestled with this, like, I, my mom is seriously that cool. I mean, everybody wants to sing about her. They want to, And then I took it another level, because I don't know if you knew about this, but the people who actually sing about my mother, Gloria, were actually angels, They're the originators of the story. So not all these human beings singing about my mom. Angels themselves were singing about my mom. And I loved it. She is amazing. And this phrase that they would sing, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which we all sang today, is Latin for the words, glory to God in the highest. But as a little kid, I couldn't believe that people would be singing about my mom. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because when I caught note of those angels, they were singing about my mom too. We all have a fascination, do we not, when it comes to the supernatural? We have a fascination when it comes to these things called angels or demons, maybe heaven or hell. We're asking questions like, is this really real? And if it's real, please tell me more because I do want to know. See, in this series that we have been jumping into, A Thrill of Hope, The Weary World Rejoices, we've been looking at the different perspectives of the Christmas story, and we've looked at the perspectives of Israel, um, the wise men, shepherds, and today I want us to look at the perspective of these supernatural things called angels, because I think people have have an appeal, they have an interest when it comes to what about these angels, Yet so many of us look at the the Christmas story and we look at it through a lens of familiarity. Oh, I've heard that before. Or I've seen this before. Oh, you know, like I've ate that before. And it's familiar much of this Christmas season. But in this season for me, I was introduced to one quote. His name is Scott Erickson and he wrote a book called Honest Advent. And I've been working my way through Honest Advent to give me a different perspective and lens in this Christmas season. Not only does he create these writings, he puts these unbelievable images together about the Christmas story. And I'm gonna use one of those images on Christmas Eve. And it is gonna be our other and last perspective. But Scott says, says this comment, and I've, I've loved it and it's playing with me, and it says this. Familiarity is a helpful tool, but familiarity kills wonder. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to bring back some of the wonder of the familiar story that many of us are aware of. And I think that wonder will make its way into our hearts and lives as we look at the critical advice given to us from the angels. So I'm going to take a couple texts. We're going to read together Luke chapter 2, and then I'm going to take us to Revelation chapter 12 for the Christmas story, believe it or not. And we're going to see this idea from the angel's perspective of what Christmas was. So in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says, that night uh, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby and they were guarding their flocks of of sheep. Now suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. Would you be terrified if an angel showed up to you? What would you do? Okay, fall over. I like that. That's honest. Uh, I think a lot of you would do a lot of other weird things, including myself. Perhaps say things that are unbecoming of us who say we love Jesus. Anyway, like, they were terrified. But the angel reassures them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then suddenly that singular angel is met by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, it says, praising God and saying, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And then the angels peaced out and returned to heaven. Cool, all right. Now, let's go to the Revelation text of the Christmas story. Then I witnessed John speaking in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on his heads. Are you intrigued yet about what is happening right now in in this reading? It says, his tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman, as she was about to give birth. Sound familiar to what story we're talking about here? Ready to devour her baby as soon as he was born. Okay, that's intense. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And then in verse 7, it also says to us that then there was this war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. and the dragon lost the battle, And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. Different perspective of the Christmas story, don't you think? Instead of the cute little shepherds in the field and the manger in a stable, a red dragon, and it looked weird. And there it was. Will you pray with me as we've read the word of the Lord, though, today? Father, teach us in this moment some wonder. I know that this story and all of its familiarity is good for us. But I pray today that you would help us to see a little bit deeper into this story. Give us a perspective from these angels as to what was happening that day when you were born into this world. I give you thanks, Jesus, that um, your word comes to life. You teach us new things. And I ask that today, Holy Spirit, again, allow that wonder to take place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. The subject that I'd like to speak to us from today is do not be afraid. So I have a coin in my hand right now. It happens to be a nickel. The only coin that really represents the game well. For instance, when I throw this up, you will say what? Heads or tails. So it's a great little game that we have played. And I've been in several locations where I've been able to play this game where the host will flip the coin, do this. So for the sake of having fun in church today, because aren't we supposed to have fun in church? yeah stand up with me for a second all right so we're going to play a game together everybody and it's really simple i'm going to throw this coin into the air i'm going to flip it and you're going to say heads or tails but this is what you're going to do if you want to choose heads you're going to place your hands on your head fair enough if you choose tails Touch your butt, all right? And uh, go ahead. Everybody practice heads, all right, just to make sure we're good. And everybody touch your butt, take tails. Look at somebody else. How silly is this right now? You're doing this game. And it's really simple. If you get the wrong answer, you sit down. Are you ready? Here we go. Go. Heads or tails? It is heads. If you had your hands on your butt, sit down. All right, let's keep going. Here we go. Heads or tails? Reset. Tails. All right, I'm doing it again. Here we go. Heads or tails? It's heads. It's heads. All right, we'll keep going. Heads or tails? Here it is. It's tails. Who do we got? We got a couple people. Okay, here we go. Here we go, heads or tails? It's heads. We're down to two. I just want to make... Oh, I see a third one in the back here. Here we go, heads or tails? It's heads. We have a winner. Everybody say thanks. And some of you are waiting for this really deep parallel to the message of what I'm about to do, except I have none. I just wanted to play a game in church. All right. So we, we have created angels in our own image in a lot of ways in this society, right? We have these cute cherub-cheeked angels sitting on their clouds, playing their harps, maybe with some Philadelphia cream cheese on their bagel or whatever it is, Right? They're friendly, they're sweet, they're very human like in many respects. But in Revelation chapter 12, we were just given a perspective of something happening in the heavens that is a little bit different than the angels that we have painted to be, perhaps, in the Christmas story. I have this book that I have read um, uh, for over a couple of decades. It's called Cosmic Christmas by Max Lucado, a great Christian author. But um, wrote this book in the perspective of trying to see the Christmas story through the lens, the, through the lens of the cosmic um, approach. Every Christmas season, my tradition is to read this book. It's a short little book, easy read, 100 pages. And it's been really intriguing for me year after year to wrap my head around the wonder of the Christmas story versus sometimes the cute little nativity scene that I always see. And this cosmic Christmas is wrapped with a lot of biblical truth, and it is also wrapped with some fiction as he tries to have a story and tell it around maybe some of the perspectives of angels and maybe the things that they would have said. And for the sake of our conversation of familiarity is a helpful tool, but familiarity kills wonder, I want to put some wonder back into our imaginations as we look at the sign and the story of the angels. Think for a minute what, would have, what happened in heaven just nine months earlier. Nine months earlier, what was going on in heaven? I mean, the angels are around the great throne of God, and they are worshiping this person whose name is Jesus. I mean, they're worshiping Jesus because this is what angels do. Scripture will show us and tell us that they worship. And then Jesus vanishes. I mean, he disappears for nine whole months. The angels do not see that which they have always seen. Jesus was no longer in heaven, Just imagine how that must have felt to the angels. From the beginning of existence of the angels, Jesus was always visible to them. And now he was gone. Where did he go? And we know the story because he was then in the womb of this teenage girl whose name was Mary. I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like that Christmas night when all of a sudden the existence that disappeared nine months earlier suddenly there, But there in a manger, in an animal feeding trough, this is our Jesus who we've worshiped in his majesty, and now he's a baby, one of those things that squawk and eat all the time. It's him. Can you imagine what it must have been like for these angels to respond? But the text shows me today that these angels were ready to respond In fact, I I know we played a silly little game just a few moments ago, but I actually look at the story of the angels and their perspective as the two sides of this coin. I believe that the angels today teach us something very vital about how we are to approach their perspective to the Christmas story. And so like this coin and its two sides, I have two words for us today to consider as the antidote. For a weary world. And I think the angels present something to us who are weary, to those who are hopeless, who are looking for something greater in our lives. They provide an antidote. And the two antidotes that I want to talk us through today for the rest of our time are aid and worship. So the first one that we're going to talk about is aid. And we all would think of the word aid and we'll apply it to this other phrase, first Aid. Has anybody ever heard of first aid before? Uh, You know what we're talking about when it comes to this idea of aid. First aid is where there is illness, injury, or an emergency situation that requires treatment. And the very first antidote that these angels bring to us as human beings today is aid. They see that we are in need of first aid. And so they'll come. And let me prove this to you as I look at the discourse of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 19, we get one of the stories. Sodom and Gomorrah, God is about to devastate this city by fire. And he sends an angel to speak to this gentleman whose name was Lot. Lot, take your family and get out of town because I'm about to burn it down. And he says this one extra thing to Lot. If anybody turns around to look at the fire, now imagine that, right? Don't look at the fire of the burning city. You just got to keep your gaze Unfortunately, the story goes that Lot's wife turns around and she turns into a pillar of salt. The very first story that we see here is that God sends angels to aid Lot to get him out of the city. In Daniel chapter 10, the the reader is, or the, the character is Daniel. He's offered prayers to God. And it says that 21 days later, the prayers are then finally released to make their way to God. Because what was happening in the heavens, in the cosmic, was that there was a fallen angel of Persia, and Michael, the archangel, which is the chief angel, shows up to assist this fallen angel of Persia. They duke it out in the heavens somewhere with, and, with demonic forces, and it is only then upon that victory of 21 days, then the prayers are able to go to God. Interesting stuff. Jesus himself was in a desert being tempted by the devil himself, and it shows us that angels came and they brought aid even to Jesus. In fact, in Jesus's temptation, it is the only other time in scripture where a multitude of angels show up to bring assistance. The other time is with the shepherds in the field. Every other time, it's singular. It's one-on-one with what is beginning to take place. Peter is in a jail cell. He wants to get out. Could you say today that Peter needed some aid? Absolutely. So guess what God did? He sent an angel. And then in the book of Revelation, which we have read from today, especially in verses 1 to 3, we see this beautiful picture of God placing angels over churches. And so that we have this guardianship that happens. And what we are beginning to see in all of these stories, the parallel piece of all of it, is that these people needed help and aid. Every single one of them. And God saw that, and so he begins to send his work. In Revelation 12, which gave us some insight into the birth of Jesus, but from a non-familiar point of view— we saw that as we celebrate Christmas here, the cute little manger scene, the beautiful framework, it's all quiet, it's calm. We forget that it's a, it's a baby. They're not those things most of the time. We forget that there are animals all around, but we've got this cute little picture. But in the cosmos that night, there was this epic war that was taking place. And is something that we have to pay attention to because there was lots at stake that night for Jesus to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. You know what was at stake? You and me. Our lives and our freedom. There was an epic war in heaven that night so that we could have a chance here on this earth. And God decides to send some aid. Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that our battle here today, folks, is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It says that it is against principalities of darkness against spiritual forces that we cannot see. And I love the wonder of this moment because as Jesus is being born, there is one thing the devil did not want to have happen, and that was Jesus come to earth in flesh and bone. And I could imagine how enraged the devil was that night. You could only see the tension and the fight that was taking place in the heavens that night, but Jesus nonetheless was born into this world. I love that. In Psalm chapter 91, there are some instructions, and it says that he, God, will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Matthew 18, verse 10 says, "'Beware that you don't look down "'on any of these little ones, on children, "'for I tell you that in heaven "'their angels are always in the presence "'of my heavenly Father.'" Folks, do not mess with a the child. They got an angel. <laughs> do not mess with them. So I have a question for us today. Actually, I have three. Do you need help? Are you weary? Are you looking for hope? Because the very first thing I see is the antidote today to a weary world is that God has sent warrior angels into your path to protect you, to help you, to aid you. In fact, if we were to jump right back into the Christmas story, we'll go to Luke chapter one and we're introduced to a gentleman. His name is Zachariah. Zachariah is an old man, same with it, and his wife is pretty old as well, but God says, we're about, you're about to be pregnant. You're gonna give birth to a son. His name is John. Then we fast forward over to, um, or well, let's go rewind, and we'll go into Matthew chapter one and an, another angel shows up and begins to talk to this gentleman whose name is Math, or Joseph. Joseph just happens to be the earthly dad of Jesus, who we celebrate at Christmas. Angel shows up, boom, this is what's happening. Let's go back to Luke chapter one, and then there is this one angel who's given a name now, and his name is Gabriel. Gabriel comes, and he presents himself to the little girl, the teenage daughter. Her name is Mary. And in every single one of these circumstances, angel shows up, boom, and guess what the angel says to every single one of them? Do not be afraid. Even the angel to the shepherds. What did he say? Do not be afraid. So don't be afraid when these things in life that are going to come towards you. And I don't know, I really don't know if those angels were scary looking or if they were just startled with what was happening. But one thing is for sure, in every single one of these circumstances that I've presented to you through the Bible, is that at that exact moment, a divine encounter or a divine annunciation is happening. God is revealing something to these people. They are in trouble. They are weary. They need aid. And God steps in to say, I'm about to do something to say this. All stories are going to come at a great cost, are they not? That when you have a divine encounter, with God, when you have divine enunciation from God, all stories are gonna come at a great cost. And the reality is, is God is gonna ask something of us. Hey, Mary, your teenage life is done. Hey, Zachariah, you're too old, but guess what? You're about to do the child thing again. Joseph, your life is destroyed. They're gonna look at you, and they're gonna think that you slept with her out of wedlock, The story goes on and on. See, when divine encounters and annunciation happen, God is about to do something in your life. Be careful what you ask for because God, I believe, wants to give his divine encounters to us. He wants to bring divine annunciation to us, not to wreck our lives, but to do something great with them. And I love what he does in this story. It's why the angel proclaims to those lowly shepherds, you may be down and out. You may be chastised by your community. You may be weary. What did the angel say? Do not be afraid. Because I have what? Good news of great joy. That will be for all people. You see, when it comes to Jesus, nobody is excluded from the all people part. That Jesus, in your weariness, your hopelessness, your brokenness, he comes and he says, I've got good news for you. And I'm going to aid you. And I'm going to help you. Scott Erickson, that same author who I used the familiarity uh, quote on, uh, says one more thing about the Christmas story. And he says, maybe be not afraid could be a legitimate substitution for Merry Christmas. (laughs) So this week, what I want you to do is the next time someone says Merry Christmas to you, look at them and say, be not afraid. (laughs) All right? (laughs) They think that you're probably going to rob them in that moment, but just that's not what you're doing. But I love this because all of these angels in the Christmas story, they don't say Merry Christmas to Zachariah, Mary, Joseph, or the shepherds. They say, be not afraid. This is the message of Christmas. Why is it so merry? Is because help has been sent, and his name is Jesus, and hope is here to save the day today. I love that. So be not afraid. And one more thing that I have to add to this piece is that when we see that one of the, um, the uh, antidotes of, of this idea of the angels into a weary world, your hope is not to ever be placed in an angel. That's not what this is about. Even the angels know that. The angels do one thing, and they point their attention to who? To Jesus. Sweet baby little Jesus, swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. See, it always is about Jesus. Jesus is greater than the angels. Do not misplace those priorities ever in our lives, and then we'll we'll be okay. So we place our trust in the person of Jesus. Somebody say aid. Somebody say worship. In Luke chapter 2, and this is the second antidote that I want us to look at from the angels' perspective. This one angel who stands in front of those shepherds is like, hey, invites his buddies over. And all of a sudden, it shows us that they break out into what we would call this as worship. They break out singing about my mom, Gloria. I mean, no, they don't. They break out singing, and they say this, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. And what are they saying? Glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for those angels in the absence of the praise of their creator? Over those months, as he was in the womb of Mary, maybe he was in heaven, so I don't know. Could you imagine what it must have felt like that night for those angels to see their savior, their creator, their king, in a manger, still not understanding all the fine details of that, but saying, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, this is why we worship. This is who we are. And that perspective of the angels is they do nothing else, but they give worship to the one who created them all. And they bow their, their, their lives in that posture again of saying, you are that important, O king of the world. And in this book that I was sharing with you earlier there is a thought that I, I just wanted to read from us because I've, I love putting my space into what did the angels think? How did they process? And the author took some liberty with this, but I actually think it's very accurate. He says this, Do you know who you hold, Mary? You secure the, the author of grace. Listen to this. He who is ageless is now just moments old. Uh, he who is limitless is now suckling your milk. He who strides upon the stars now has legs too weak to walk. The hands which held the oceans are now just an infant's fist. To him who has never asked a question, you're going to teach him the name of the wind. The source of language will learn words from you. He who has never stumbled, you're going to carry and he who has never hungered, you're going to feed. The king of creation is in your arms. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for those angels to pronounce those things, to think this process out? We know him as the creator. We know him as the king. And now this, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? And yet they worship. That word worship is very important for us today. And I think I know why the shepherds were so afraid. I think I know why Mary was afraid, Zachariah, Joseph, I know why they were afraid. Because the texts go to show us that it says that the glory of the Lord surrounded them. What we're talking about is there is this brilliant radiance, there is this bright light that begins to shine, and it blinds them. And this is a very important part of the story that many times, because of our familiarity, we may miss But the glory of the Lord surrounds them. This bright light shines on them. And it's important because when it comes to this word called worship, what worship means is that there is a a heaviness or a weight. In fact, the word is glory. The word glory means heaviness and weight. It also means respect and honor. And that day when Jesus was born as a baby, angels didn't hesitate to bring the heaviness of the moment to earth. They're like, okay, earth, humanity, this is our king. Will you behold him? Will you bring the weight of this moment? And I believe that the weight of God left heaven that night and shone around those shepherds. And at that moment, we see the reverence, the awe and the respect that these angels bring to the one who is worthy of it all. Imagine yourself swimming alongside a 50-foot humpback whale in the ocean. You and it. Imagine this. I mean, you would immediately be aware of the enormity of its size or maybe how little you are, right? You would understand its presence in that space and the force if anything were to happen. You understand your fragility in that moment and you know full well that that whale demands your respect. This is the exact same picture of what it means to say Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory. We're going to focus our worship on the one who is worthy. Worship is worth ship to somebody who is able to receive it. His name is Jesus. The angels in this story, through their perspective, remind us that worship is critical. To say glory to God is to put the weight and the heaviness on him. So let me ask you, are you afraid today? Are you weary? Are you hopeless? The antidote the angels present to us is worship. Worship. And know this that when you worship, you've got angels surrounding you, apparently, anyway, who are aiding you in the battle that you are facing. And they are going to point us all towards Jesus. We all have help. But it all comes down to knowing that Jesus has come, He is born, He is our King. Your sin and my sin have been redeemed, our forgiveness has been granted. I think the angels teach us to turn your frown upside down and worship because he is able to see you through. There is one who is worthy of it all and he fights for you. And he just so happens to send angels along your way to help as well. Isn't that pretty cool? That we have a savior that is willing to do that to make sure I can follow him. We serve a wonderful king and a master today. Will you stand with me this morning? We sang a song earlier, and uh, so I don't know what you've been walking through this week. I don't know what your story is. But if the angels were able to, on the moment Jesus arrives on this earth, begin to worship in voice, I think it'd be fitting for us today to turn our eyes to the one in this Christmas season. So will you bring the heaviness and the weight right now? Will you bring the respect and the honor to the one who is worthy of it all, Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing with Yana as she leads us through this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, just turn your eyes to him today. Focus on him. Worship his holiness, who he is, what he's done. sing that again sing that again turn your eyes upon Jesus eyes worship upon you Jesus. Jesus we worship you Jesus for hallelujah it is wonderful and the things of earth and the strangely earth thank you Jesus With all eyes closed in this place, maybe you're with us online watching this as well. Maybe you've never had this relationship with Jesus, this king who took a step out of heaven and came in the form of a baby into humanity so that he would save us, that he would bring aid to our lives. He is a worthy king today, and he demands and wants singular to him and to him alone and if you've never made that decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life today could be that opportunity for you and it is simple in that you you repeat Jesus I I see you today I know who I am and I know why you came It is for me so I give you my sin and I ask for the forgiveness of my life that you will help me to live for you Help me today is what I pray. And if you've prayed that prayer, all you need to do, and it would be helpful for us, is text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. That number and instruction will be on our screens, but it'll allow a pastor to come alongside of you to help. For the rest of us, God, I pray that as we walk into this week, as we've looked at your word this morning, that you would fill us again with a little bit of wonder as we approach this week. That you are with us, that you are for us, and that you're walking um, in front, behind, and beside, and you've brought your aid. And I ask that you will help us as a people this week to bring worship as well. Help us to know that we have help, but help us then to worship. Let our response be to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. So Jesus, we love you give you thanks we pray all these things in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. church we love you as you heard Christmas Eve is coming Friday and there are some instructions around it we're only able to take 170 people per service and then there's overflow so come early if you need to but have a fantastic week when someone says Merry Christmas say be not afraid God is with you have a great week everybody and we'll see you Christmas Eve